Hallelujah. Right. How much do you appreciate Pastor Jay and the music ministry? Yeah, absolutely. So you may not realize, but preaching on holidays can prove to be a little challenging. I mean, there are obvious themes that are associated with these days. And I feel like if I don't at least touch on those themes that you all might think this kind of weird. You may not have that expectation, but that's certainly what I think you expect. And so obviously today we're dealing with the theme of freedom and, and independence. And so I started thinking and, and praying along those lines. And my mind went to Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, that, that we have been set free and, and that we shouldn't return to a yoke of slavery, but we're not going to go there this morning. Then there's John 8, 36. If the Son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. But not there either. And then there's Romans 8, 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's a good one. But we're not going there either. <laughs> No shortage of options, that's for sure. And, and I just didn't settle on any of those. In the college Sunday school class, we've been looking at the events surrounding the Exodus. And the more and more I thought about that story, the more I realized that that story is perhaps the greatest story of freedom in all of history. It even has its own holiday, much like today is for us. And in fact, early in our study, I posed that question, why not call the festival that commemorates these events Independence Day? As it is, the holiday is known as Passover. And Passover tells the story of God's deliverance of His people from slavery. It's the story of freedom. And so I began thinking and praying along those lines, and that really led me to where we are this morning. We'll be looking at a passage of Scripture that commemorates the events of the Exodus, or at least should take our minds to those events. And yes, that's Psalm 23. Trust me, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 23. I'm going to read the entire Psalm. We'll actually only deal with verse 1 today, all right? Psalm 23, and if you're able, please stand as I read the very words of God. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Join me as we pray. Father, I am so grateful for how you reveal yourself to us through your word. Lord, that we can know you. We can know what you do through your word. And Lord, this passage is one of those. Father, I'm grateful for the freedom that we have in Christ. 
Father, that we are free indeed. We are free from the penalty of sin and death. And Lord, I thank you for the privilege, the blessing of of living in this country that is founded upon those principles, Lord. That we have certain unalienable rights granted to us by you. And that this government was established to protect those rights that cannot be taken from us. What a blessing it is, Lord. We are so privileged among many others across the world. And Father, I pray that it would be our passion and our desire to use the freedom we have to share Christ with as many as possible all across this world. Father, we give this time to you. We thank you for it. Sanctify us through your word, Lord. Your word is truth. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. So I see how some of you were kind of looking at me there, right? Lucy, you've got some explaining to do. Don't worry, all right? Don't worry too much. Anyway, I'll I'll explain. Uh, We all understand Psalm 23 is perhaps one of, if not the best known of of all the Psalms, perhaps even the Scriptures. It, It has provided great comfort in the midst of uncertainty for a millennia. It testifies to God's care and His provision, even in the darkest of times. And and certainly, this is a very important message of this psalm. However, there are things happening here in the verses of this psalm that don't quite make it into our English. Things that, when considered, I think will give us a deeper understanding of the intent of the psalmist. In this case, it's it's David. And so, we're going to take a deep dive into the world of shepherding of the 10th century B.C., and, and we're going to try to see how this story relates to the Exodus and to really our freedom. And so we'll jump right in with verse one. Now, when I said that, verse one, most of you probably looked at the Lord is my shepherd. But that is not where this psalm starts. This is a psalm of David. It's a mismore of David. And most all of the psalms start with some sort of title. Some are mismores, as this is. Some are masculines. Others are Toms, But we need to start with this title because it's a very important piece of the psalm, a mismore of David, right? A mismore is a song of praise, and, and certainly that's appropriate enough. We would understand most of the psalms to be a song of praise. And from the Hebrew perspective, again, that is an integral part of what we're going to be looking at here. And in many cases, it tells us how we're to approach the psalm. And in my opinion, you need these in order to understand how to approach what it is that you're reading, what the intent or the purpose is. So again, it's a song of praise. But but there's more to it than that. See, Hebrew is a pictographic language. The letters are pictures. The pictures come together to form the words. And, And each picture has this meaning and again, those individual meanings combine and, and they create the words in their meaning. And so the picture of Mismore is, is a picture that includes water, which is a picture of chaos. It has the picture of severing something or cutting something off. And then there's the picture of, of a person. The first letter of the word is, is the letter Mem. And again, Mem is the picture of water. And its primary meaning is chaos. It takes us back to creation, right? The primal sea was was chaos. Genesis 1 verse 2 tells us, and the darkness was over the surface of the deep or the abyss, 
and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So in the Hebrew mind, water represents chaos. They had a general fear of water because it was this dark place. It's what it represented. They referred to it as the abyss. They saw it as a symbol of chaos and, and of hell. And so right away, we should begin to understand that this Mizmor is going to tell us something about that chaos, that darkness, that lack of order being severed or cut off. That's the letter Zion in Hebrew. It looks like an axe, and it means to cut or to sever. And then we have a vav, which is like a nail, and it secures. Okay? And then a final mem. And so the entire picture of this word mizmor may give us something to the effect of a person is secure when chaos is cut off. I think we would all understand we're secure when there's no chaos swelling around in our lives. And so this is already giving us an idea of what we're about to look at in this psalm. David's telling us something about the meaning of the psalm. He's telling us a little bit how we're to establish ourselves in this crazy world all around us in relation to that chaos, how we're to be secure in the midst of that chaos that, that's all around us. And it's going to have to do with that chaos being removed, cut off. So how in the world can a song of praise, a, a mizmor, tell us anything about how we're to be secure in the chaos of life? Well, I think we need to first ask the question, what is a song of praise? For the answer, I think we also need to know that Hebrew is a language of remembering. It, it, it takes certain words or certain phrases and it, it remembers to the first time that they were used and that then again provides additional meaning, additional context. It links words and verses back to the first time. And the first time we see a song of praise is in Exodus chapter 15, Verse 2, and there we read, The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will extol Him. This is Moses' song of praise to the Lord after the victory at the Red Sea over the Egyptian army. Right? How, how was that victory accomplished? Well, the chaos of Egypt was descending upon the children of Israel, and that chaos was destroyed, it was cut off, it was removed when the water closed over those approaching attackers. Chaos, water, cut off the chaos of the Egyptian army, and it secured the people. And there was this path that God led them through. And so as a result of this, Moses sings the first mizmor, the first song of praise. And every time then a mizmor is sung, we are reminded of this victory, of this seminal victory, the one that secured the nation of Israel centuries before. And so every song of praise looks back to the commemoration of God's deliverance of his people and the freedom that he gave them. That event is what truly made the nation of Israel free. Until the Egyptian army was removed and destroyed, they still had the threat of being captured again. And so it had to be cut off. And so it was when the waters fell on top of the Egyptian army. That chaos was cut off and it secured their freedom. And this Mizmor is going to recall that event. Again and again, it drives us back to the beginning. God does this in the beginning. The world was formless. It was void. It was without order. There was chaos. And then God spoke, and He brings order into the chaos. He brings His order 
from the chaos. And David recognizes this. And so he's telling us how we are established, how we're secured, how we're given identity, how we're made free in the chaos that's all around us. Mismore in this psalm tells us exactly that. Something's going to happen in order to allow us to be secure and set free from the chaos, just like it happened at the Red Sea. Something has to happen to remove us from that chaos. God has to provide a way or or, or bring order into all of that craziness. And so those are the questions we're going to be looking for. How does God establish our identity in the chaos? Just as he established the identity of Israel as his firstborn through that chaos. How does he bring order to our lives? Where can we find this security and, and, and the identity that we need and the craziness that's all around us? And so this is a mismoor of David. And, and that's next. That's our next word, La David. The David is, is Dalit, Vav, Dalit, and then it has the prepositional Lamed before it at the beginning of David. Now, Lamed looks like a staff. It looks like a shepherd's staff. And the picture of that letter is control or authority. The shepherd's staff is used to control the flock. It gives them direction. It also corrects them, brings them back into line, onto the path. It is the tool of control. Dalit is the picture of a door or a pathway. Vav, again, is secure. And then we have another door, another pathway. So, so of David is the picture of control or authority of the door that leads to the pathway. In David's name, we have this picture of a door, a pathway, a way in, but it's secured. There's authority there. There is an incredible picture that's already unfolding for us here. In the name David, we see a picture of Jesus. In John chapter 10, verse 9, which just happens to be the Good Shepherd passage, Jesus says himself that I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus is the promised seed of David, whose name gives us a picture of this door or this pathway that Jesus then says, I'm it. I am the pathway. I am the door. And he is the only door. He says that no one comes to the Father but through him. There is authority. There is control over the door. It's all connected. Jesus is all over the Old Testament, especially here in Psalm 23. And so we're going to look for how is this pathway established, just like that pathway through the sea. How does it bring us security and this identity in the chaos, the, the door that brings order to the chaos? How does God affect that? What do I do to find it? What does the pathway do? Where does it take me? What does God do in all of this? And again, where do I find the security that I so need in, in all of this craziness? Now, that's a lot to get out of a Psalm of David, right? But David uses many of these as he writes his psalms. Again, mismores, masculines, miktons. Mismores, song of praise. A masculine is a teaching or an instruction. And then a mikton, that word really doesn't have a definition. But in the modern Hebrew, they use it as a, a witty saying or an old adage. And, and so again, there are lessons here. But most of the Psalms are written with this idea of securing our identity and, and being secure in the midst of chaos because of this pathway that God has provided 
that's going to bring us through to our rest. And, and maybe that changes how we approach them when we read them. So, so David is writing this psalm about his deep need to discover this pathway, to, to find the way that God is going to bring him through everything that's happening around him in order to establish who he is. Just like, again, God gave his people a pathway through the sea when there seemed to be no way forward. And think about how many of these psalms deal with establishing David's right to rule in the midst of his enemies, in the midst of impossible circumstances, or of establishing Jerusalem as the pinnacle of God's attention on the earth, or establishing Israel as God's people against, again, impossible circumstances. They all have to do with the idea that God is going to do something in order to overcome all of that chaos in the world by establishing his people, by establishing his place, and by establishing his king. And so that's what we're going to be looking for. What is God doing in order to establish all of this in, in the craziness of life? And it's really not too surprising when you think about what David experiences. Right? I mean, all throughout his life, he has these experiences of, of impossible circumstances preventing him from seeing God's promises to him fulfilled. And then he writes about them. Right? How does God work in my life? How, how does his work display that he's bringing order to this chaos around me? And again, it all goes back to the event of the Red Sea. Their freedom was on the other side of the sea. And it seemed impossible for them to get there. But God opens the waters and they had to keep on that pathway that God provided through those waters in order to grasp the freedom that he had set before them and to be identified as a nation and to enter into the promised land. They would survive and be free only by following God's path. And by the way, that path was secure, wasn't it? There was control over entry onto that pathway. You remember the fire? The fire prevented the Egyptian army from getting onto the path until the people had crossed through safely. And then, again, the waters collapsed on that army. So again, the psalm is going to show us something about how God secures or controls this pathway for us. Something about His authority and His control that secures the pathway through the chaos that brings us to our safety and to our rest. His control, his instructions, his word are going to secure this pathway. Really, they're going to be the pathway that leads us to this order, as opposed to the lack of instruction, which we would understand to be chaos. And the scripture tells us this is so. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. God brings order through His instructions. And these instructions are a pathway upon which we find that security and identity and freedom that we all so desperately crave. God's Following God's instructions establishes all of those things. And it keeps us on the path that separates us from the chaos that presses in all around us. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want to discover that kind of freedom? And we're going to work this out as we go, but we've already seen that this is so much deeper than just the comfort we get from reading the Lord is my shepherd. Very important. Absolutely. 
but it's so much deeper. And, and I'm certainly not minimizing that comfort that we get. It is important. But again, we start to see that this really has more to do with, with me and how God establishes who I am in relation to this dark and chaotic world that's through his authority, through his strong control of the path. And on that path, his instructions, I find freedom and rest and all of those things. So look back at verse 1. And this is where then we read, the Lord is my shepherd. Right? The next verse in the next word in verse 1 happens to be God's proper name. yod heh vav Now, nobody knows how to pronounce this name. We typically translate it as Yahweh. And we do that because the vowel markers that you see there were added to it. Those vowel markers come from the word Adonai. And they were done, that was done so to prevent anyone from from actually pronouncing the ineffable name of God and somehow profaning it or taking it in vain. And so if you read in Hebrew and you come to yod heh vav you see the vowel markers and you're reminded to say Adonai instead of God's proper name. And so we translate it as Yahweh or, or Jehovah. Yahweh is a much better translation. And so we then define this name to mean something like I am that I am. Right? Or, or I will be that I will be. And I think that's, that's good. Obviously, the Scripture tells us that God said, I am that I am. And I think really what God is saying there is, you know what, you can't even begin to define who I am. You have no words to describe who I am. And so let's just say I am that I am. All right? He is so outside of our conception that there just simply aren't words adequate enough to define him. And so I am that I am. And, and when we look at the pictures, we see something pretty interesting here, something that goes hand in hand, really, with this idea. Again, God's name is spelled with the Hebrew letters yod heh vav heh Yod, the first letter, is, its picture is an arm and a hand. It's, it's about work. It's about deeds. It's about what we set our hands to. Hey sort of looks like someone who's, who's bent in worship. And, and the idea, the picture there is behold or reveal. Right, And so Vav then again is secure and then another hey, another worker deeds. And so the first part of God's holy name, the Yod, has to do with work. It has to do with deeds. It has to do with action. It's about doing. It isn't about all of those theological constructs like powerful and omnipresent and omniscient. The focus is on what he does. Those attributes are important. Again, I'm not minimizing the importance of those, but they are constructs. They're ideas. The important thing is what God does. It's his actions that matter. And this presents us with the idea of if you want to know who God is, if you really want to know who God is, all you have to do is look at what he does. Because what he does is what he'll always do. And that's the, the hay there, the reveal. His works are revealed to us. He's given us his word. He's told us how he, he interacts with his people, what he does on behalf of his people. And so when we see his works, we can know who he is. We get a glimpse of this in Exodus 34. Moses asks God to allow him to see his glory. And God agrees. And as he is passing by Moses, he proclaims his name. And then he tells Moses what he does. 
Right? Exodus 34, 6. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, rich in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin. What we don't see here is yod heh yod heh, or right? Yahweh, Yahweh is omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful. Again, important attributes, and we need to understand those. But what he points to are his actions. Compassionate, slow to anger, quick to forgive, forgiving transgression and sin for thousands of generations. It's like God is saying, okay, Moses, you really want to know who I am? Just look at what I do. Because what I do reveals who I am. And we see that in the picture. Again, yod heh vav heh Work revealed, security revealed. You know you're secure in me because I show you who I am. It's what I do. And what I do is what I've always done. And what I've always done is what I always will do. And that gives us great security to know that God is unchanging. To know that everything He said, He will do. That's what it's all about. And because He's always faithful, we find great security in that. His deeds reveal that you're secure in Him. And the name reflects that what He does. And what He does is the character of who he is. So if I want to understand who God is, I have to look at what he does. And the reason I can be secure in who he is in this world of chaos and craziness that is striking against God's goodness at every turn, the reason I can be secure, the reason I can be free is because I know that he's going to be faithful to everything that he said because that's what he's always done. And and really, this is the Hebrew idea of the future. The Hebrew word acharit literally means end, but it carries the sense of what's behind us. Easiest illustration I can think of for that is, is if you're in a rowboat, you're facing the opposite direction of where you're going. Your destination is behind you. You can't see it, but it's there. What you can see is every point of reference along the way. You can see where you've been and you can know that you're rowing in the right direction because you see the pathway that God has laid before you, behind you, all along the way. You can see where God has worked in your life, the things that he's done, and you can trust that he's going to do that in the future that's behind you because that's what he always does. And, And that's what his name embodies. I am who I am because of what I do. If you want to know me, you'll see what I've done. And when you see what I've done, you'll have confidence in knowing that I'll do what I promised. I am who I am. I do what I do what I've always done. Excuse me. The very first thing David tells us about this song of praise, about this mismoor, we've already stated it's about finding our freedom. It's about recovering our identity. It's about this pathway that secures us and provides us with those things, the very first thing that David says in defining all of this is Yahweh, the Lord. And that reminds me of what he did, which gives me steadfast assurance in the promises regarding what he will do. He's revealed in what he does, and I'm completely secure in that. The first consideration of how I'm to be secure in this world, how I'm to discover this pathway that's going to take me to my rest ultimately 
and finally is based upon what God's going to do. And that's what he's always done. And then we get to the first thing in the list of what it is that God does in order to bring us to this place. And that's our next word. That word is shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Roe is that word. And it's a really interesting word. First of all, it's not a noun. The text doesn't say the Lord is my shepherd. The text says the Lord is shepherding me or the Lord shepherds me. It's a verb. It's action. It's about what God does. It's not ideas about who he is important, but it's what he does. It's the action, not the status. We're not to read this as God is like a shepherd. Okay, he is, certainly, and that's important, but there's so much more to it. How do I know God is like a shepherd? Because he shepherds me. If you want to know who I am, look at what I do, right? God shepherds. It's his actions. It's his deeds that show us who he is. And God is like a shepherd because he actually does what a shepherd does. He shepherds me. And if anyone here knows what it is that a shepherd does, it's David, right? It's the perfect place for David to start. I know who I am in relation to God and how I'm going to be established in this world of chaos because I see what God is doing. It's what he's always done and it's what he will continue to do. And what is that? He's shepherding me. And what does it mean to be shepherded? If, if you have a pet, then you understand a certain idea of, of what it means to shepherd someone, right? What do we do for our pets? We take care of them, right? We love them and so we, we care for them. Right? We, we take these deliberate steps in order to make sure that they have what they need. It's, it's taking care of something that can't take care of itself. Out of love, we take these deliberate steps to ensure they're cared for. We love them. We want to care for them. And so shepherding then is caring for the sheep. It's providing for them. It's protecting them against predators. Nurturing them. Taking deliberate steps to ensure they're completely cared for. Is that what you expect God to do in your life? I mean, do you start your day by expecting to see God's shepherding activity in your, in your life? Because that's what David is saying he does. God shepherds me. He cares for me. He takes deliberate steps to ensure that I'm nurtured, to ensure that I'm protected, to ensure that I'm provided for. He ensures that I'm not alone and he directs me in the way that I need to go in order to bring me to that place of rest. Is that really how we approach him in our lives? Oh, Lord, I am so glad you're shepherding me because I know you care for me. I know you're protecting me. I know that you're giving me the things that I need. You're providing for me. You're nurturing me. You're showing me the direction for my life. I don't have to worry because I know you're shepherding me. Is that how we approach him? Is that how we live? Uh, we don't have to think, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to me today? Because we know God is shepherding us. And I don't think the sheep that were under David's care had any anxiety about what was going to happen to them. I don't think they're struggling with, with emotional trauma or, or, or dealing with any kind of negative self-talk because they know their shepherd is providing 
The picture that David wants to display is, is not of me having this shepherd who sits off somewhere, not really interested or concerned about me, but rather the God of deeds and the God of promises that are always fulfilled is shepherding. He's, he's involved in every area of my life, caring for me. And there's a huge difference in the Lord is my shepherd and the Lord is shepherding me. Again, I'm not minimizing the idea of God being a shepherd, but it's his actions. It's that he is directly, intimately involved in every area of my life. And he's taking deliberate steps in my life to show me the direction he has before me that's going to keep me secure and safe and free and take me to my rest. And the very first thing that David tells us is, is the God of deeds, the one who I can trust faithfully to perform everything he said he's going to do, cares about me intimately. That's freedom. That's true freedom for us. The, the picture of the word shepherd gives us something like a person is known or understood by his deeds. It all goes back to actions. How do I know God is shepherding me? Because I see those acts of shepherding in my life. I see his care and his provision for me. But it's a two-way street here. Right? When David says Yahweh Rohi, he's saying that, again, that God is revealed in his deeds. I can know him because I can see what he does, and that gives me great security because I know that that's what he'll continue to do. He, he's understood by his work of shepherding in my life. But it also carries this idea that, that as I see his deeds and know who he is, he's going to look for my deeds to know who I am. The context of this is really coming from the shepherd. It's the one performing the action, not receiving it. So this is really God looking at me to see if I'm a sheep. Are the things that I'm doing, is the way that I'm living displaying that I'm on his path, following his direction, his control, his authority as a sheep? Am I related to the sheep because they're sheep and are they following me? So look at John 10, 27. Again, the good shepherd passage. There we reread, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. How does he know his sheep? They hear his voice and they follow. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. John 4, 21, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. John 14, 23, Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. That is the shepherd's path. That's the direction that he has for our life. It's all the same thing. The shepherd knows the sheep that are his because they follow him. He sees their action. He sees their deeds. They follow him in what he tells them to do. And what is that? What are sheep to be doing? Well, they're to do what he does. Right? We know him because of what he does, and he knows us because of what we do. And so our lives should be characterized by attempting to bring order to the chaos, attempting to bring life into death, taking deliberate steps to show care and concern for those that are around us. But it's not about God seeing what you, what you hope to do. Right? Often we think that God really sees my heart. 
He sees how much I really do want to follow him. He sees how much of the good things I really, really want to try to do for him. But, but it, that's not what it's about. Right? It's, not, it's not about what you hope to do. It's not about what you really, really want to do. It's about what you do. And this is of critical importance because if you want to experience God's shepherding in your life, he has to be able to look at you and see that you're a sheep, that you're on his path and that you're following him. Can we really expect God to shepherd us if he looks at us and nothing about our lives indicates that we're a sheep? I don't think we can. Many of us kind of act like sheep, but we're really more independent sheep. Right? We want to determine our own destiny. We want to decide our own path. We're trying to wrestle that staff out of the shepherd's hands and control our own lives. But that's not how this works. Sheep are guided by the shepherd, and that's what the rest of this psalm is going to be all about. But it starts with this premise. The reason that God shepherds me is because I'm acting like a sheep. I'm following him on his path. I'm following his directions. He doesn't shepherd goats. And he's not going to shepherd wild animals. He won't shepherd who's someone who won't hear his voice and follow his path. It's not a salvation issue. Right? We're talking about obedience here. Will he seek out the wandering sheep? Yes, absolutely. By all means, yes, he will. When a shepherd has a sheep that wanders too often, do you know what he does? Occasionally, a shepherd will have this particular sheep that gets into a habit of, of wandering. Again and again, the shepherd will go and find that lamb. The scripture tells us that the God, that is God's approach to us. But when this occurs too often, the shepherd will lift the sheep from the briars or the thorns or the cactus or whatever it is. He'll hold it close and he'll abruptly break its leg. That will prevent that sheep from wandering again. He'll make a splint for that shattered leg, and then he will carry that sheep everywhere he goes. That sheep learns a very bitter lesson, but all the while he's now completely and totally dependent on the care of the shepherd while he heals, and the shepherd carries him. There is a very painful process involved so he will pursue the wandering sheep. But at this point, if I'm not acting like a sheep, then I'm not a sheep. God acts as he does and therefore guarantees who he is. What about you? What about me? If I'm not living like a sheep, how can I expect to be shepherded? How can I expect to experience any of these things, God's care in my life, if I'm not following him. And so the opening line is that God shepherds. But the assumption is he only shepherds sheep, not goats, not wild beasts. He shepherds those who he sees demonstrating that they are sheep. His relationship, the relationship is about similar deeds. He shepherds those who are sheep. So am I following him? Am I trusting him to direct my path? Am I compliant to the guidance of his staff, his authority, his control, in my life? Am I on his path? And so then what is the result of the shepherding's, shepherd shepherding in my life? That's what he tells us next. I shall not want, right? Lo echsar is the word there. Uh, lo is the Hebrew word for no or for not. It's a, it's a lamed and an aleph. Again, lamed is the staff, control, authority. Aleph is strength, 
It's, it's the, the ox, uh, incredible strength there. And because it's the first letter in the alphabet, it also represents God's strength. And so the word no is not a, a word of weakness. It's a word of strength. The picture is strong control or, or authority that controls. It's a word of strength. It's power. Because what no is, is that you have the control of your strength to resist. And really, it brings this idea that it's God's control and authority utilized in our life that allows us to resist the things all around us that really try to pull us off of God's path. We have the power and control when we follow and and obey God's authority in our lives. It's a picture of me asserting that strength and that control that God has put in my hand to resist. Right? And, and then we have that word lack, right? Strong control and then XR. And this word gives us a picture of strength that separates a person from support. If I'm lacking, I have no support. I've been separated from my resources. It's to have strength taken from me. It's to be unable. It's to be weak, to be deficient. When I lack, I am desperately incapacitated. I'm starving. I have no resource or support for the things that I need. So it's strength separating the person from what supports them. So when I don't lack, I understand that I will never be separated from the things that I need in order to do what I'm supposed to do. Right? I'm not separated from those things. God promises as shepherd in his shepherding task that he will make sure that I have the resources necessary to do what I need to do as a sheep, right? God shepherds me. I will not lack. I'll never be without the resources to do what I see him doing, right? The shepherd is shepherding. He cares for me. And David is going to tell us in the rest of this psalm the steps that God takes practically to do just that, to make sure that I will never lack. So again, this relationship, shepherd to sheep, I must be a sheep. I must be following him. And in that relationship, I'll hear his voice and I will follow him. And I'll have the resources I need to do what I'm supposed to do. I'll not have the resources to do what I want to do. I'll not have the resources that I have determined I need to be happy or satisfied or comfortable. That is not the promise here. I will have the resources I need to do what he wants me to do. I will never lack. So if you're dissatisfied, if you're restless, if you're wanting, then maybe, just maybe, you're not doing what sheep do. Perhaps you're not listening and following. And we'll see in this psalm as well what that looks like. But David says to God, I know who you are based on what you've done. You've always fulfilled your promises. I have the confidence that you're going to continue to do so because that's what you always do. So my relationship with you is shepherd to sheep. I'm going to be a sheep. And in that, I know I'll never lack what I need in order to do what you've asked me to do. And what, these tell, what this tells me is in those times in my life, when I begin to complain about what I don't have, or I begin to complain about how hard things are or, 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 or anything like that, I'm probably stepping outside of my role as a sheep. I'm probably not doing what it is that God has called me to do. Maybe I'm concentrating more on what I need 
than what it is I, I truly, or what I want, than, than what I, he, I truly need and, and what he provides me. And so the integrity of this psalm dictates that I position myself as a sheep, that I be on his path and I follow him. And when I do, God again promises to care for me as a shepherd and that I will never lack what I need to do what he wants me to do. He never fails. The problem I have is, am I acting like a sheep? Am I hearing his voice and following him? So, so wrapping this all up, right again, we've discovered this psalm is going to show us how God separates all of that craziness from our life. It's about opening that path through the chaos that establishes who we are, that establishes our freedom, that brings us into our rest ultimately. We're establishing who he is in relation to everything that strikes against who he is in this world. And we're establishing who I am then in relation to who he is. How do I find this direction for my life? How do I stay on the path? How do I discover my identity? And what we've discovered from verse 1 is that God shepherds us. And in the process of my being a sheep, following his control and his authority in my life, I'm never going to lack what I need to be a sheep. And I'll find satisfaction and fulfillment and all of those things. The psalm makes it clear that I need to change who I am in order to be shepherded. And when I do, I'll experience what it means to be taken care of, to have all of these things that God has promised. I have to adjust my thinking. I have to stop being a goat. I have to stop being even an independent sheep. And I have to become the sheep that he promises he will always provide for. That means I don't get to determine what provide for looks like. The, the shepherd determines that. And I need to be one of the shepherd's sheep in order to experience what he provides because what he provides is exactly what I need in order to do what he's laid before me in the midst of this chaos that surrounds my life. How do I know that he's going to follow through? Because he always has. That's his name. Work revealed, security revealed. You want to know who I am? You want to know you're safe in me? Then look at what I do. Because what I do is what I've always done, and what I've always done is what I always will do. I am faithful to my promises. I am revealed in my work. And his work in our lives is to bring order to the chaos and ultimately to set us free from the life of sin and death. He's provided a pathway for us. The sea has parted in front of us. It's a pathway through the chaos. And it's a path that will bring us to this place of identity and freedom and rest. That path is Jesus. He is the door. He is the shepherd. Are you one of his sheep? Let's pray together. Father, again, I'm just so grateful for the way you've revealed us to your word, through your word, Lord. That, Father, you are taking deliberate steps in our lives to show us that you care for us, that you're providing for us, that you're protecting us. And ultimately, Lord, that our future is secure and that we have rest before us in you. And so, Father, for those here this morning who have never placed their faith in the finished work of the shepherd in Jesus, They've never come to know the promise of forgiveness of sin and eternal life with you. Lord, I pray that you would convict them here and now, that they would come and, and surrender their life to you.
so that they can experience what it means to be shepherded. Father, we're just so grateful for those promises, Lord. Promises of forgiveness of sin, promises of eternal life, that you're preparing a place for us, that you'll come and take us to be with you. And Lord, we know it's true because everything you've done is what you will do. And Lord, the resurrection, the empty tomb, gives us the proof that you have the power to do what you said you do. So Father, help us to cling to that truth. Help that be our guide. Keep us on your path, Lord, and allow us to shine that light into the world. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we are going to respond. Uh, If you're here this morning and you've not given your life to Christ, if you've not asked him to come and, and shepherd you and to care for you and to provide for you and to take you to your rest, I invite you to come this morning and to deal with that. He is the only way. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize that your life looks more like you're a goat than a sheep. Maybe you are that independent sheep. Maybe you realize you're not sticking to God's path and and you need prayer, you need some guidance, some instruction on how to find it again. If that's you this morning, come. Maybe you're here looking for a family to join in in worship. We'd love to talk to you about, about how you can do that here. We'd love for you to be a part of our fellowship. So I will be in the back as we sing. And and again, if you'd like to respond, you can find me there.